Hello and welcome to the TOVG podcast. We are here to entertain you, inform you, and excite you. My name is George Weedman, and I have an interesting lineup of topics to talk about with some interesting friends of mine. If you don't already know, I uh, do a YouTube channel called Super Bunny Hop, and I also have Alex, Jimmy, and Satchel with me. Alex, hey. <laughs> tell us a bit about yourselves. Uh, all right. Well, I, uh, I, yeah, I'm. I'm the host of the decks. It's, it's like a show about Pokemon. Sometimes I think that I I spend too much time thinking about Pokemon, <laughs> but 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 uh, you know it's it's an educational show for kids about Pokemon, and it's it's fun. And I also do Super Beard Bros with Gerard, and that's a new thing that is dominating my life right now. But uh, <laughs> check check all that out on the site. I also edit. I'm the editor in chief of the site. <laughs> Jimmy, what do you do? I uh, I make my own I, I make my own like game reviews and stuff. But notably, I you might know me on YouTube as Sunder or YouTube.com backslash SunderGamer. I make a show called Levelhead, and it's just like I pick a level from a game that I really like, and I think that it's designed really well. And I kind of like break down the design and show people, you know, maybe stuff that they like skimmed over, just like playing the game as like a fun game. And I try and like show them that there's a little bit of a deeper meaning and like sort of like a, I don't know, a more respectable thing behind a lot of stuff that you may just take for granted in gaming. And that's, I don't know, kind of my mantra to my show is to, like, spread that, you know? Great, great. I highly encourage people to check it out. And Satchel, what kind of channel do you run? Hey, I have a YouTube channel called Satch Bad's Goods. It's a long and short-form video essays about video games, uh, usually from a humanistic approach, but I just do whatever I like. <laughs> and they look real pretty. Yeah, they're really uh, well designed. And, uh, Satchel I, is a designer. You can yeah, tell. Yeah, and I do uh, I do design for the TOVG website. Yeah, man. Well, I All share that role with Alex because he is also a designer. <laughs> I'm I'm a much worse designer than Satchel, but I, uh, <laughs> I I think that's like a, a uniform statement that could be applied to anybody yeah, that's much, not Satchel. Pretty much anyone in the, in the YouTube <laughs> sphere. <laughs> who's the Who's got the videos that you're jealous of, Satch? Uh, Super Bunny Hop. Oh, oh, okay. oh how endearing I don't like was my that? videos. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. Well, now that we know who everyone is, that's that's great. All right. <laughs> this is this is the all star lineup of of the new TOVG website, and I guess before we really get started on the podcast, it might be worth mentioning that we're finally up and fully operational. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey yo. After, like, the nightmare weekend, so many crazy things happened and are still happening. Like, right now, there's no ads on the site. Isn't that funny? (laughs) It's because of you, the viewers. You broke it. (laughs) Two days. Two days. It was was going without, um, like, reliable page loading and stuff. But I think we're all fixed up now. Are we, Alex? Yeah, we, uh, we... We did uh, some stuff uh, with the servers that now Upgraded. make the servers hey. work good. That's a good problem. Real, yeah. real tech stuff right there. It's a really encouraging problem. <laughs> I don't know where the ads went though. That's 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 today for Alex. I mean, this is a uh, this is just yet another testament to the TOVG tech. Uh, let, let's call it the like TOVG law of tech. Yeah, where, some some oh, gypsy, <laughs> some like old timey gypsy woman must have cursed one of us sometime in the 1940s. Like one of our granddads, like spat on a gypsy. <laughs> oh my gosh! 
Well, uh, this is an important lesson for all of us to bring home at the end of this podcast. Do not spit on a gypsy. Do not let your ancestors spit on a gypsy. Keep them far away from any saliva you might have ready for them. Find and out. your websites will work okay. Find out if they prevent. did. Yes. Yeah. Go. So anyways, we have a Gosh. forum up, a website up. I'm going to start writing articles for it. Right when we finish recording this podcast, right now, I'm going to hop on the forums and make an account and start yucking it up with these fans of mine. And um, just... <laughs> hop dive right into that craziness and see what's going on in there but uh so let's see the the podcast that i have planned today we're mm -hmm. going to be going for a much uh, broader well actually a much wider breadth of topics than last week but a much mm -hmm. less broad topic itself this week's theme is trashy deja vu <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah a lot of a lot of news stories this week seem to be unsavory topics from old days kind of resurfacing to to kick everyone in the balls but anyways <laughs> the first one of those is the atari 2600 et game this probably yeah. yeah yeah like the biggest news story of this week they actually found the landfill that they buried the atari 2600 et game in in the christmas of 1982 atari released an et game that's really really bad i don't know if you've played it or how much it's the so, listeners it's know so about. like esoteric i i'd never actually seen it played and then uh I've, last I year it on SGC. an emulator right, when, when proton john played it looked yeah. painful yeah it, it is he actually he actually beat it right before our eyes that's crazy <laughs> I, he imputed I don't, pain it's from a time when if you knew what you were doing you could beat games like that in like 15 minutes but et is not a game that anyone really should have bothered that hard to figure out <laughs> like i don't know it's yeah it's it's, it's it's from a different time very very different mechanics but some some things about poop are just timeless <laughs> yeah it's funny because on this topic specifically like i have never seen the game played i i've like literally it's like a gaming urban legend to me because <laughs> like I've heard about it, like, you know, I've, I've seen the AVGN, like, episode and stuff where, like, he mentions E.T. and he's like, oh, like, you know, the whole, like, I don't know, the whole, like, aura of this game is just, like, it's, like, legendary and how terrible it is, but I've never actually seen it. That actually brings up a really interesting point about them discovering the landfill that it was dumped in, like... It didn't really surprise me so much that they found it. Like, the New York Times reported on them dumping all of these unused game cartridges in the desert. I mean, if a company has a warehouse full of shit they can't sell, it is cheaper to just dump it somewhere than, <laughs> than Hold on rent out yeah. warehouse space for it. Yeah, but yeah. like, this yeah. isn't that ridiculous of a thing. There's nothing really mystical or exciting about them dumping well, this game that yeah. they couldn't sell and then finding it l later on because there was a big paper trail for them to follow like yeah. people say it's an urban legend and whatnot but chances are if if the new york times is reporting on it it's not an urban legend it's like a well-known fact right 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 it's just well i think the reason that it carries so much weight is just because it's such a like you know you, you can really be like this was the moment when we started to realize that like the first version of video games was done <laughs> yeah you know what there I mean? Early 80s, you know, after the huge boom, it's like Atari doing it. Who were they? They were the kings, you know, and they are literally doing so bad that they're literally just burying their crap in the in the sand. And but that 
that that's the thing. It's it's crap, and people love this story, and they're really excited about them finding this crap. And when you look at pictures of the dig, like it's like some guy in a hard hat and a safety vest, like holding up a little rotten old plastic bag by the that. corner, keeping it away from his face. You look at the stuff behind him, and it looks like a junkyard because that's what it is. People so are funny. incredibly excited that they found a load of trash, and that kind of weirds me out a bit. I, I think. If anything, there is something a little poetic about the fact that it's a game called E.T. buried in New Mexico. I just feel like that's like a like a fun like I feel like Atari like planned that. Like, let's go bury this alien game where the where the alien myths are. Try and, you know, heighten it to legend status or or like, what about this? What does it say about us now that like at one point this was like a like the you know the physical version of a total failure for video games right like this was like a the moment in time that it was like this is it for games and now we're so desperate for news that we're literally <laughs> literally <laughs> digging up the past just it's, to <laughs> it, it's not that we're desperate for news though like the company that founded that sponsored the search for it is a documentary. It's a documentary project sponsored by Microsoft. They're going to release a documentary about finding the junkyard that Atari dumped DT in. But are they doing it, it? Aren't they doing it to sell like <laughs> to sell video Expo. games? Yeah, to yeah. sell more things that people don't need that are eventually going to end up in landfills. Because it's going to be uh, exclusive to the Xbox platform when this documentary launches. You know, until someone gets a hold of it and redistributes it on the regular internet that normal people watch documentaries on i wonder if uh if that documentary can be copyright struck by atari for using their material to sell uh, the atari that exists nowadays does not is not the same atari from the actual early 80s it it was kind of like a that was kind of like a topical youtube joke but yeah no no, and i I get what you're talking about but it's like just kind of digs (laughs) it it um just kind of re emphasizes just how old and forgotten this pile of ET games would be if if it didn't carry such mystique like a yeah. a bad game that no one liked that killed a company that's not really around anymore has such romantic appeal about it <laughs> and and I oftentimes wonder why maybe it's just like the the whole like Indiana Jones-esque aspect of that like obviously these guys aren't indiana joneses and they're not unearthing the uh like the rape like the lost ark but there's not many like, adventures to go on there you in, go yeah in <laughs> in video game history yet yeah that's that's kind of what i'm saying yeah this it's huh. like a more adventurous thing than there has been like physical people well, yeah. going out and digging something up is like interesting but i don't know i guess it's like the only time that gamers can really like relate to that with it like like you know, because you know what I'm saying? It's it's yeah. like a historical artifact. And I right. guess I guess that also kind of brings to light how history recontextualizes common goods. Like when archaeologists go on a dig, they they find pottery. Like pots yeah. aren't that important in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> but you know, it's still evidence that, that things happened. Right, yeah. definitely. Do you remember and, and I think that's just like sort of like you know, video gaming's journey to becoming like a legit Art form. Oh boy, here we go. Well, a, a legit, a legit uh, medium. Let's say, 
like that's that's widely accepted culturally let's say because like for example like uh do you remember like a couple uh, months ago there was the guy who like who like revealed that he was the guy who had been taking all the like super good photos of consoles uh that that are on wikipedia no i didn't i don't think i heard about and that it is news to me it turned out that it was one guy, but it was like it was an interesting story because oh. like before before that all the pictures were like, you know, some horrible like shot of a like 3DO, you know, sitting in like a you know, like I don't know, like, like in someone's living bedroom. room. Yeah, like so some- there's a guy who is a professional video game console photographer. He's he's going around for free just because he feels like it should be documented and he he was like talking about how he was like going on craigslist and contacting people who were selling these like mint condition systems and being like i don't want to buy it but like could i come by and like snap a pic real quick (laughs) (laughs) that sounds sounds legit so bizarre (laughs) so i i don't know i i I think that maybe that's what we're i think that is sort of what this is is us trying to like make you know sort of start keeping track of our history a little better. Was there any background information on what the documentary is largely about? I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what becomes of it. I mean, it seems like a labor of love. They, they only provide a little bit of background on the guy who worked on a it. A Microsoft-sponsored labor of love. I, I don't know for <laughs> sure, but I guess the topic that they'd be covering is the process of, of finding this landfill. Like, I assume they had to interview some people and do some research to figure it out, which... I, I'm estimating is not as hard as people have been making it sound. Like I said, like the uh, the New York Daily News article that I was reading about this from said that the New York Times was reporting on this back in the day, which means that a readily verifiable paper trail exists. <laughs> and well, I, uh, I would imagine they're probably going to like loop in the whole like, you know, the the crash, like the gaming crash. Right, oh, yeah, yeah. All that, well, of course. well, then you don't know what the landfill's there for. It's really cool you know motion that graphics and timelines and what have you. <laughs> They'll oh, yeah. probably have typography and um, yeah, shots, of, type. of, <laughs> shots of web pages sliding in and out of the screen with a little bit of blur. You yeah. guys should have seen... I, 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 You guys might already have seen this by the time this episode goes live. The Reddit But, uh, you know, like, we're starting... I'm starting to, like, throw up, like... Uh, if you don't know, I am like the editor of the website, listeners. But uh, I, I'm I'm throwing up uh, like submission stuff, and I need to like rein in my criteria for submissions. That is, as a side note to myself that I'm publicly sharing with all of you. But uh, along those lines, somebody just sent in like a 20 minute like tr- tribute documentary on the life of uh, and career of Gunpei Yokoi. Oh, the and, Game Boy guy. Yeah, and it, it, and, and that's going to be on the site. But it, it's really like interesting just to like get a picture of what the gaming industry was like back then and how much more Wild West it was. You know? Yeah, definitely. And I think yeah. that if if I'm gonna if I'm gonna enjoy that documentary, that I'm gonna get a similar feeling from it. You know, I want to like get a window into like how like simplistic that industry was then and now i don't know they had to do some some crazy tricks to uh program for machines back before (laughs) like mouse and keyboard well keyboards have always been around but back before like a mouse driven gui was the standard like 
Oh my god. No, I, I was reading about um programming the original centipede. Like it had to be done analog on um printed sheets with punch cards. <laughs> well right, but I mean like look at like sequels or something like that, like Miss Pac-Man was like a homebrew that like got picked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just like people could just make sequels to crap and people would be like, sure, you can like look there's those weird CDI Zelda games. Yeah. And and like that would never happen now. Yeah, yeah. Like that I just hmm. I just much I just more mean, airtight. People of were an playing industry. like very loose loose fast and loose with their licenses back then. I guess like, so nowadays the modern equivalent of a bad CDI spin-off is a bad handheld mobile spin-off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Like Assassin's Creed. Like, there's like, the IP you know like, as a runner. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, speaking of which, brand Halo new Spartan news. Wars. Fresh in from literally just a couple hours ago, a new Tony Hawk game has been announced oh, yeah. for the iPhone. Oh. Boom, 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 boom. Hopefully, Guess what kind of game it'll be like. like that Vita game. Uh, is it? Ollie? Is it going to be? That'd be awesome. Is it going to be a game where you uh, you manage a skate park and you have nope. to uh, you have to like build up the skate park and you can like buy <laughs> buy is better it, ramps is and it everything? Is a puzzle game where you catch it, falling skateboards? Is it isometric? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's an infinite runner. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Sounds good. I know, right? Can't wait to read all the reviews of it. <laughs> <laughs> I I would like to wait. <laughs> can't read 99 cents you can get a blue deck. Yeah. Hell yeah. I can't read I can't wait to uh, read all of the the tweets about how no one's going to play it and right, then yeah. move on. There you go. You got it. <laughs> so I can't wait to hear all the articles about how the creator of the game is going to go out of gaming. <laughs> the oh, creator of the game actually Tony Hawk got himself a bit more involved with um with this one to a certain extent but uh let me read you a quote from a uh news report about Tony Hawk's shred session as this game is going to be known is it actually going to be called that <laughs> yeah Tony Hawk's shred session shred should be shred session S-E-S-H shred session shred session is the hardest thing to say Shred session. All right, it's like the rural germ. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrestle. I'm gonna shred you guys. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is from um, Eli Hodop, a writer for TouchArcade.com. Okay. Completing levels and doing well allows you to level up. Coins are liberally earned in game and are used for cosmetic unlocks, while the premium currency bills are used to speed up progress and continue in levels. Yay. How much you want to make a bet that it's called T-Bills by the end of this? T-Bills. It, it might be called Shredders. Shredders? Sh- Hawk Bills? So there you go. There is your modern equivalent of a bad Tony Hawk CDI spinoff. Ollie Bucks? <laughs> Tony Ollie Hawk Buck. Shred Session for uh, for mobile. iOS and Android? I, I'm guessing. I think uh, right now they're just saying iOS, but Android versions always come out yeah, a few months later it'll probably happen it'll work you know, it's, it's actually interesting on this topic like i put out that roller coaster tycoon level head a few days ago and i got so many comments like that were like oh man i love this game it's too bad they ruined the series with the mobile version because like roller coaster tycoon 4 is like a freemium mobile game and it like i like took a look and at this like I, on one hand i was like oh yeah that does suck that they're like ruining the series like that but then at the same time like those old games hold up so well that like I don't care what four does. I'm gonna play one and two for like the rest of my life. Like yeah, and like they they can ruin Tony Hawk with this stupid mobile game, but at the same time, like I st- like Tony Hawk two and Tony Hawk Underground. Those are like 
good games that I would still go back and play. I don't really need them to come out with like a better modern one. Yeah, and, I saw um, my PS2 Ethernet adapter. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was um, Tony Hawk Three. I think was the, one of the yeah. first games on the PS2 to try to try to do online, and I don't remember it working out so well. No, I think it, was it took horrible. a couple no, years. It was definitely a waste. A couple years to figure it out. <laughs> I remember. Heard. I remember getting a um, free envelope that came with the the version of the PS2 network adapter that I bought that had Twisted Metal Black colon online yep. on it. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, it it was funny because I already had Twisted Metal Black, and I I don't know. It kind of felt weird to get the same game again free, but just little free for all modes with other players. Do you guys think that like because you know how like it's like the the technological revolution and like global like communication is so much easier and like you know like the rise and fall of trends is so much quicker mm-hmm. do you think that like now like in our early to mid 20s or wherever we are as a culture for gaming you know like the whatever the like target demographic is it's it's pretty young still i think mm-hmm. like do you think that we are like already becoming crotchety yes <laughs> you don't and that, that. What, what, you've wait, never been on 4chan mean? have you Oh, I'm just saying, like, right now, like, we were just talking about Roller Coaster Tycoon and Tony Hawk's Shred Session, right? Yeah. And we're like, oh, I can't believe that they're doing that to our precious games. Like, oh, right, right, right. But that was only, like, that was, like, t- Tony Hawk in the form that we like was out, like, less than 10 years ago. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and we are not, like, even at our midlife crisis yet and we're already like oh man video game fans are these the crotchiest young, these new and upcoming games are ruining our games like <laughs> maybe like well, what is not like what is next wrong. to to be fair the ratio of our disenchantment seems to be following in line with just how fast technological advancement is occurring yeah, but what's you next know what i mean like yeah i agree yeah. but what's next are we gonna just die <laughs> right. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. No, it should, they should never be. They shouldn't be equated. Like, but yeah. <laughs> what a what a dark turn for that conversation. I think it's. Should we it's, just stop gaming and we move on to gardening, or gardening. another another culture that we're gonna get upset about? We Garden. do like three or four now. I can't wait for the uh, for. I the, don't think cynicism is the answer. I can't wait for the uh, for Garden Stops magazine Garden Farmer. Yeah. I can't wait till they start shutting down all the physical media, uh, but we'll get there. Great. We're very at, close to shutting down all the physical media. Speaking of which, our next topic. Yes. Um, <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. It's physical segment. media is uh, is going out the wayside in a number of, of different events this week. First up is the official Xbox magazine has distributed its final issue. The, uh, the last of the U.S. version of the magazine, at least, is rolling out this month from Future. Future U.S. is laying off about 30% of its um, employees and kind of consolidating print over to their U.K. side of the thing. And out in the U.K., you have maybe even a weirdly better scene for physical (laughs) media. Like, um... I know that that Future operates a lot of websites over there, and um, Edge. We don't get Edge in America, and that's a really nice, a nice uh, gay magazine that's still going strong over in um, the UK markets and Europe. We used to get it, didn't we? I maybe, but um, it's headquartered not here. If if I'm correct, hmm. I'm pretty sure it's it's a European publication. It, it definitely is, yeah. 
Hmm. But anyways, um, current subscribers to the official Xbox magazine are going to be getting the UK version, but it's still kind of a uh, a sad event to see them shut down what yeah. was a big office and a big publication. Yeah, it's really... like. I can see why, just because, like, it's the same deal with, you know, every other sort of, like, physical, like, book and or news source or anything, like, with smartphones, with tablets, with all that stuff, it's just so much easier to have a website that you can pop open on your, like, most likely decent, like, network, and you can just bring up whatever news whenever you want it, as opposed to waiting a week or two weeks or a month a magazine to come out and tell you some stuff that you probably already know yeah. and give you some pictures that you could find a high-res version of online. And like, it's, it's inevitable and provides such a big advantage that somehow it makes more sense from a business perspective to open a website where, like, online journalism, the premise is crazy that you give away the cream of your crop for free, but that's essentially what you do, that that's more compelling than having a magazine where you charge people for it. Though, I mean, there's yeah, also things the, like print, which which definitely, I mean, there's there's more overhead, of course, but... Yeah, yeah. but um, And that's the thing, like, high overhead costs mean more jobs, and it kind of sucks for someone trying to get involved in this industry to get it in, to get involved in it at this time. That's me. Because when you have a magazine, <laughs> yeah, that's, I think, all of us, really. But yeah. when you have a magazine, you have to pay, like, a printing press and yeah. designers to design it visually and people to like handle a bunch of really complicated ad sales and legal materials that you don't have to deal with when you're distributing your content for free right and it's yeah. uh yeah it's, that, that, that's the capacity less... that i meant because i i mean i was planning on going into print design that was like my dream industry to go into and every year during undergrad every dream company i thought of like slowly close that division and people were just like don't try it's going to be dead by the time you graduate and jeez even though they were it's, a little premature <laughs> in it it's pretty much happening it's an inevitable thing That's yeah when when i was a kid i always wanted to write for a gay magazine when i grow up like i didn't go <laughs> to journalism school for 4 years to do website design which i ended up doing because <laughs> there's more of a market for that than 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 writing but it's and, so much. Um, but th- that. But that. That money gate, y- y- like, was such a good barrier for quality. That's another yeah. thing. It was a barrier yeah. for quality, <laughs> except when uh, when magazines like the official Xbox magazine and the official PlayStation magazine and the official Nintendo Power, all <laughs> of which are no longer around, are having shorter lifespans than things like EGM and Game Informer that aren't console specific and maybe maybe might have a higher editorial standard than console specific publications. And, but what I'm saying is any magazine has a higher editorial standard than the World Wide Web. Yeah. <laughs> that that is that is the that is the great <clears throat> tragedy is that now like for like me, for example, right? I didn't go to journalism school. I, I, I went to school for English as a yeah and that's that's a fluke because the reason <laughs> that I got hired originally to write uh, for a gaming outlet was because uh, somebody saw me in a comedy show. <laughs> and thought I was thought I was funny. Of course, <laughs> this guy's funny. He should write about video games. Yes, no. <laughs> Literally, guess... a person came up to me and was like, "Hey, you're pretty funny. You want to do some top tens? <laughs> <laughs> Got to get those hits up." That's how I got my start as a games journalist. <laughs> that's that's interesting. That um. Now they're they're trolling comedy clubs for talent and not <laughs> journalism school and 
but but you see what I'm saying, right? Like right. the fact that they had to pay to make the to get their to get their you know writing out, you know, made them stop and think, like, huh, who are we paying to do this? Yeah. But now yeah. I can make fifteen bucks every time I write a top five. Woo, fifteen, fifteen. Ah, gosh, society does not does not value writing highly. Yeah. And it used to be not like that because it used to cost a lot more to get writing out and used to earn a lot more. Yeah. And um, like compare how many newspapers are around today versus like a hundred years ago. I think at some point in the history of New York City, they had 300 daily newspapers operating in during the turn of the century, the 1800s to the 1900s and the Industrial Revolution. And nowadays that's probably under, I want to say under 35 at a generous estimate. And the end result is that the rest of us have to have weirder jobs where we <laughs> make our own entrepreneurial endeavors on YouTube and on various websites ourselves, which is weird because we all know they, they don't have as big of a um, audience as YouTube channels do. Like yeah. nothing in my life prepared me to make a YouTube channel called Super Bunny Hop. I literally <laughs> learned I could do this like two years ago, about half a year before I started. And I... I Truth be told, don't know what I'm doing because I wasn't prepared for it. I was preparing myself to write, not to not to video. And you know, it's yeah. also weird because I always tell myself like, someday like I'm not gonna be able to do this anymore because it is a like prank job. Like, there's no way that this is gonna be a real <laughs> job that I like do for 20 years. Like, I'm not gonna like make the decks for 20 years, right? That's like <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no. <laughs> How how do you get health insurance with this thing? Like I don't know. Yeah, you just buy it. Uh, but but <laughs> that but, sucks. Yeah, go I to agree. I really agree. But but like I always thought to myself, like yeah, you know maybe someday I'll like transfer over to like p the PR side or something like that. It never occurred to me that like I would ever like that this this job that I have now would be like the current like the accepted way to get information out. And now I feel like I have a lot more responsibility than I did when I started the Which channel. Is scary. Yeah, like a hundred thousand people watch my channel. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like I have a responsibility to them to like be accurate and educational and like interesting in a way that's not superficial. But I'm not I'm I'm positive that's not the way that most people feel about it. And the thing right. is, if you were working in a newspaper or a magazine with a much smaller audience and ultimately much less sway and responsibility with what a hundred thousand people do with their lives you'd probably earn a, a, a little bit more. <laughs> I, I'd probably earn a lot a uh, lot a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so why, why do we think that console-specific publications are going out of style? Um, I think because, well, like, like I said, we still have Edge, EGM, Game Informer, and and I, I don't know if PC Gamer counts as a console-specific thing because PCs aren't consoles, but they're still around. They're doing strong. They actually are still posting really good stuff, like um this uh, expose on paid cheating, which is a really interesting read. But wh why do you think that those are lasting longer than console-specific publications? I think that's, that's I, just a simple, right. a simple uh, thing of, like, it's, it's a niche market. So if your niche starts to dwindle or if it starts to go elsewhere, like, 
I can go to Game Informer and get news on and reviews on Nintendo games, or I can go to Nintendo Power, but Game Informer will also have other stuff that might interest me. So, like, I don't know. Like, I, I you have even, to be, like, a hardcore fan in order to, like, go to a console-specific thing. Like, I got Nintendo Power back in the day, but oh, I stopped shit. getting it after a while because I wasn't such a Nintendo, like, fan as I was, like, I played Xbox and I played PC stuff as well, so I just stopped subscribing to it. So, I don't know. Right. And, and even, even more to that point, um, I'd, I'd imagine, like, console, just video game-specific publications would probably be the first to go just because there's probably a greater community that are interested in that stuff like that are on the internet already, like heavily involved in the internet, then like better homes or like, yeah, exactly. You know. Oh yeah, that's true. Like they don't, they don't need, they can hire a PR team and do exactly what they were doing with OXM and they don't have to pay printing pr- costs and they don't have to do anything. They just have to give away like 10 PS4s to 500,000 people <laughs> and, yeah. and get them to follow them on Twitter. <laughs> and there is just too much news to even put stuff out on a, weekly basis i mean i guess you yeah. could but sometimes i look at my twitter feed and it's just like oh my gosh bravely default and then the next week oh my gosh animal crossing like there's just the 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 the, <laughs> the level of fanaticism combined with the, the rate at which games come out and even like independent games like it i don't, I don't yeah. know i don't know if a magazine it, it would might even be. be if you cared about journalism i don't even know if you would feel like just kind of like crushed under the weight of feel like you're feeling like you're doing your readers a disservice by not being able to cover the breadth of things that are coming out that people are super excited about. Well, the that's rate always, that they do. that's, that's always been a problem with journalism. Like journalists have a responsibility to filter out information that is more newsworthy for the public to consume versus stuff that isn't. And that's also kind of why you see a lot of anger over journalists covering stuff that a certain point of their audience might not consider valuable that others might like, um, I don't know, covering Justin Bieber getting arrested might be an ultimately irrelevant story in the, uh, grand scheme of the history of planet earth, but, or, or like, well, you or like can posting a well-known anything. YouTuber's <laughs> video. But for some reason, people so, value that stuff because they watch it, but no one ever talks about how they value it because then that would be embarrassing. And it kind of feeds into this catch-22 where journalists can't win. They can um, provide all the boring hard news that people don't want, that are relevant stories, that do affect the history of planet Earth, and no one will care. Well, or they can cover Justin Bieber and get hated for it. And um, end up making lots of money from that. Yeah, because it's <laughs> ad supported. And I think Patreon is, is kind of a good way out of that. I'm probably going to have to start doing that eventually. <laughs> it's but, pretty dope. Um, is it? it? It's pretty dope. It's, it's really weird. It's weird to get used to the idea that they just like pay you or they don't pay you. <laughs> but once you like trust it and you realize that it is like completely contingent on like your own prowess and skill <laughs> at keeping them interested in paying you. It's kind of exhilarating. Uh, but what I was going <laughs> what, what to say is that I, I think that also the, the key is that like gamers don't act or consume media or press the way that anybody else does because the gamers are the ones who are much more uh, just like willing to, to uh, you know, try out and use these like cutting edge ways of communicating with each other and and at the and it's like kind of a double edged sword because it gives a it gives a soapbox to the people who are uneducated and are trying to report opinions as news and uh, as facts 
And, it, and oftentimes the professionals do. I actually have a fun story to share when, uh, <laughs> when you finish. Yeah, but it's also it's also much easier to, you know, get the facts yourself. Like if you if you are an educated person and you want to find out about a topic, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like as a gamer, especially if the topic has to do with gaming, it's very easy to to like find all the answers that you could ever possibly want as opposed to something else like say science news or yeah, or yeah. you know something else like economics anything having to do with business it's like very hard to like get access to the things that you need to get all the well, information I, yourself yeah, i don't yeah. know like actually figuring out game people, but you're right yeah <laughs> they they try they try but the actual process of developing a game kind of delves into very hard to digest information from both of those fields like <laughs> go to GDC and like try to understand what's going on in a talk about rendering a direct call with a with a <laughs> color i don't even know if i'm using the words right but but it gets it gets pretty pretty hard science sometimes just well, right, just but go like follow. business but business <laughs> businessmen and scientists don't have Twitters and blogs is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Like they like some do, but like like as a, as a demographic, like there's much less like transparency in those fields, and that's and that's the norm, but not for gaming. Yeah, and maybe that. that's just because games are more of a recreational luxury. Like okay, mm, so there are yeah. seven values that determine newsworthiness. Like this is what you're taught in journalism school: is you have to find stories that have impact, timeliness, prominence, proximity that uh, depict some kind of conflict, that they they affect currency, they have a human interest angle, and they're bizarre to some extent. And the unfortunate truth as a games journalist is that most of the information that you get does not really fit a lot of those um, qualifiers, which are ultimately up to the interpretation, to the totally subjective interpretation of the journalist himself, right. to uh, figure out whether or not something is has proximity and timeliness and impact but ultimately the question that a journalist can reasonably answer in the game industry is what games are coming out what (laughs) games just recently have come out and what do people think of them and uh a lot of the more interesting stories about games being developed and about the influences that might lead to problems in development and about companies exploiting their employees and their customers to a certain extent kind of get buried under the mantra of games being for luxury and for fun. <laughs> and well, I guess in that sense, that's probably why we get our, our biggest news stories of like the past couple years as far as games things are like Phil Fish gets mad at people and people respond to Phil Fish <laughs> and Notch says something about the Oculus Rift and Facebook. I need to report on that now because Breaking it's important. Because Notch doesn't like Facebook buying <laughs> Oculus. Yeah, more at eleven. But Notch will report that himself and not a journalist. Right. But doesn't but that journalists also sound, will still report doesn't it? Doesn't it also though. sound? Doesn't it sound like you're talking about Game of Thrones or something? Also, <laughs> yeah. It, like much more than it does in other fields when you say stuff like that. Like well, like Phil Fish, like. You know the character of Phil Fish, right? Like you know what happened last year with Phil Fish. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, like that, that's so. That, I mean, like, but I'm saying, like, you, you say that in the same way that you're like, you, you know, like, like Locke, like Locke was trying, like he could walk, but then like he, he now, like <laughs> now, are you trying to reference Lost? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Like I, I don't know. No, I don't know Lost. So I don't know Lost. I, right. I'm sorry. I, 
I'm just saying, like, it, oh no, it, spoilers for gaming. It it feels like it's not just reporting. Like everything feels so much more like it's blurred. Like there's so much more like fiction. Like a lot of people, for example, believe that uh, the reason that uh, ET is in the desert is because the game was unbeatable and broken and 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 fatally flawed. But that's actually not true. Right. Well, I think bad. I think another thing to keep in mind, and, and this is just something. Well, not necessarily for you guys, but this is something that I keep in mind for myself. Is that for me personally, video games specifically, like as a medium. My knowledge of it, and and this this probably applies more to like, um, like the assessment of games or like reviews of games or like game coverage and stuff like in the news. Like, ever since I started playing games, I started playing games like in uh in a season where news coverage was a little bit scarce, and because of that, or maybe just because I was a child, like my only means of figuring out whether a game was worth purchasing or not was word of mouth. And whatever my mother got for me. And I think because of that, as I got older, I had to retrain myself to say, all right, there has to be a level of accountability. There has to be a level to discernment, a level of discernment as to how and why I'm accepting the word of mouth on games. And I almost wonder if at large there are just a whole bunch of people who grew up on word of mouth and word of mouth being the reason why they purchased a new game that it makes sense to go on YouTube and listen to an internet personality, tell them, Oh, pick up this game. It's really cool. You're just like, all right, you don't really ask. Like you don't really run to some kind of qualified resource because they're, you know, from day one, there never really was one. Now I don't know. You don't know why you don't, you know, you don't care that much. Yeah. 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 You don't, you don't care that much and they don't really fret a lot over being qualified because games are just fun and games. Just for fun. Don't worry about it, guys. Games aren't important. But like, why why isn't that how it is with movies? I don't know. <laughs> That's a really complicated question. And so uh, we might, are, an- we are, might answer it after this commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What a segue. Trying to find the Nintendo games you want could be a lot like being in the Nintendo game. Another game. Come on. You can end up looking... What? In all the wrong places. Oh, no! Stand back, son. Or you can go to Toys R Us. Toys R Us has the world's biggest selection of Nintendo games and accessories at everyday low prices. Next time, let's just come to Toys R Us. Hey guys, what's up? This is Gerard Dragon Rider Khalil, as most of you know as The Completionist, or as that one video gamer, letting you guys know that we have brand new t-shirts available now at The Yeti. That's theyeti.com slash that one video gamer. We got two t-shirts right now available ready for you to purchase today for 17 bucks each. The first is Complete It in the style of the Red Campaign uh, from a few years back, and the all-new Embrace Your Beard Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core inspired t-shirt which features myself with my massive beard and this gigantic sword so for 17 bucks the yeti.com slash that one video gamer you can get these shirts they're available they're available only for a little bit more so be sure to get them sooner rather than later all right guys keep completing some games Yo, Sonny! Sonny! Man, stay off the light speed! My bad. Sonic Adventure on Sega Dreamcast.
Hello and welcome back to the TOVG podcast, where we talk about games journalism, the legitimacy of games as a medium, and now we're about to talk about cheating. Um, so I guess one of one of the troubles that games might might have in uh, terms of being accepted as, as art or a legitimate medium, whatever that means these days, I don't <laughs> even know, is is know, right? <laughs> that playing a game is a transformative experience. It's an individualistic experience that you really only share with just yourself and no one else, because ultimately you're manipulating this this product into something different from what every other user of the product is going to get. Mm-hmm. You might you might cheat, you might break the rules, you might get repercussions for cheating. And uh on Steam, Valve's anti-cheating system is called VAC. It um flags users for cheating in games and bans them across game engines. And uh this wow. is a, Yeah, I know, it's exactly what it should do really though, but it's uh it gets complicated. <laughs> and um I would know because I was I was affected by it. Six years ago, I was installing a Bloom mod for Half-Life 2 that um, used a modified OpenGL DLL file to add a Bloom effect to this game. And at, I was aware of the risks, but at some point I was just ignorant and ended up jumping onto a Sven co-op game with this mod installed. And a couple days later, ended up getting a VAC ban across all of the Half-Life 1 engine games. Wow. And, um... It's it's fine because I I don't know the only Half Life One engine games that are really relevant nowadays are like CS one point six and maybe Natural Selection <laughs> and I've never really uh, I've I've been more of a CS source person myself kind of oh, but I'm of really liking yeah. Global Offensive but anyways <laughs> six years later Dark Souls two comes out and um, I find that I cannot play it. I wonder why, because all of my friends can. I look on the forums, and it turns out that the people who can't play it have a uh, common thread, and that they are all... have had VAC bans on them at some point. So, what this issue is about is about this one particular game not really um, interpreting the Valve anti-cheat rules legitimately like they are supposed to be applied across specific games or game engines depending on if they're valve games or not but uh the point is you can not cheat or not accidentally get hit by the anti-cheat system in dark souls 2 but still receive the same repercussions as if you did and it's a uh it's a error on both fromsoft's side of things and Mm -hmm. valve's side of things because fromsoft simply don't seem to know what they're doing when it comes to PC gaming. Like last time they made Dark Souls 1, it was locked in at a uh, comparatively tiny resolution, featured no graphical options, and had the the Xbox controller prompts showing up in the game while you were playing with <laughs> mouse and keyboard, which they've done a lot to rectify for the sequel, but that is one really weird problem that persists. When you play, when you play Dark Souls 2 and go through the tutorial, it tells you to press right bumper to slash. Oh, God. When you actually click to slash. That. And that's that's ridiculous. But um, I made a video Ugh. about this, and the reaction was interesting because... A lot of a lot of commenters seem to be with me. A lot of them seem to be against me, and a lot of them just seem to have like no clue what was going on, and just said the first thing that came out of their buttholes, which is which is <laughs> fine. I'm I'm okay with with that as long as no one you know comes to my house or mails me poop. I um, mean, that's the YouTube comments though, right? That's just yeah, like, yeah, in a yeah. nutshell. 
And and uh, I'm really glad that we have our own forum now where <laughs> we can uh, moderate things and keep people from from sending poop to each other's houses. But anyway, that's the plan. <laughs> that's the plan. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the vac bans apply for an entire lifetime. So if some other game in the future comes out with this same problem of misinterpreting how vac bans are supposed to work then that's going to follow me basically throughout the entire lifetime of my Steam account, which is ultimately something that, that Valve could change. And I mean, this is like my opinion. Warning signs, my opinion. <laughs> but I think Valve would uh, be able to have their cake and eat it too. They'd be able to have this anti-cheat system doing what it does mm -hmm. while also being able to deliberately punish users for having DLL files, which is a can of worms, but ultimately shouldn't leave the same kind of black mark. I feel that it shouldn't leave the same kind of black mark that it currently does for users using legitimate DLLs that don't uh, activate cheats by just implementing like a five-year cap on these. Yeah. Like, Seriously, that, that's even Pretty generous. Fair. Like, five years is a long-ass time. Like, no game lasts that long, five really. Five years is like CS two consoles. CS does. Yeah. <laughs> five years is is over a presidential term. <laughs> five years is how long it takes to, like, go to college and stuff. A 16-year-old butthole who <laughs> cheats in their games can, can turn into a brilliant computer engineer in five years and, <laughs> and totally make a quick turnaround. What do you say to that, Valve? I, I think that the problem is you just shouldn't have used the Bloom effect because Valve's games are perfect. Oh, and, well, yeah, um, that's, that's evident. I definitely no, yeah, should not have. I, it's, I wanted to, but you invited I should not this, have this hell upon the, yourself, uh, sir. Oh, oh, of course. Of course I did. <laughs> did it look really good, at least? No. No, it, it didn't. It was really it was really bad. It was um kind of like a ripoff of the E&D series mods that you see for... Like, I, I don't know. Are you familiar with the Ice Enhancer mod for Grand Theft Auto 4? I I remember like it being a thing, but I I never I played it on. You might Xbox. have seen like high resolution screenshots of a heavily modified Grand Theft Auto Four game that looks borderline photorealistic, and that's because of mods that uh, use a very very similar method to the one that I had installed. Like it gives you no gameplay advantage whatsoever, but just um kind of fucks with the graphic engine of the game to do <laughs> things that it would not normally be able to do. And like see-through walls, right? Exactly, exactly. That's that's where the can of worms is, is that the <laughs> same the same method of um engineering existing software can be used for cheating or can be used for purely artistic and kind like of projects. enjoyment things, right? Like personal yeah, enjoyment. Yeah that give you no advantage whatsoever when playing with other people. Right, and so what you're essentially saying is that the system is flawed in a way where it can't tell the difference, and there's no human who's making an attempt to tell the difference. Yeah, and even if there was, I don't really think there's a way for them to be able to tell the difference between <laughs> a good DLL and a bad DLL, uh, or at least a cost-effective way. It would probably have to be, like, some super advanced version of, like, the Mechanical Turk. <laughs> Or something it, like that. It would, it would, but and ultimately, like I said, simpler solution that would allow them to have their cake and eat it too is impose some kind of really long time cap on these vac bans because the users who actually do cheat, who uh, do just want to download DLL files to cheat for shits and giggles, are going to be doing it on alternate accounts. Yeah, yeah, of and, course. And like someone who legitimately like makes a mistake, either out of complete ignorance or stupidity or, or accident, a desire to really see bloom effects in there. <laughs> yeah, is is um 
going to probably do it on their main account that has all the games that they want to keep playing online with other people. So uh, that's just that's just uh, my own two cents on this issue. I made a video about it. It got super popular for a while. Kotaku Australia reported on it, and then PC Gamer <laughs> released an editorial expose about the seedy underworld of um the cheating world, which is actually really interesting to read about. Like people pay money for cheats and. Um, last year there was a big controversy in the PC gaming community about, um, Valve and Valve Anti-Cheat scanning the DNS cache of users, like, kind of looking into their web history to see if they've been to websites that sell paid cheating programs. Yeah, would, would you guys ever pay for a program that let you cheat in multiplayer games? No. No. I I mean, like, I wouldn't just because I, I... Cheating in multiplayer games, I never feel like it's fun. I always feel like it's it like immediately turns the game from fun to boring. Like right. I'd rather just lose based off my own terrible skill at the game than like win because I can see through walls. Like I don't know, it just a, like it doesn't appeal to me, and I, so I can't really answer that as like a person like like yes, that sounds fun. I would pay for that. Like it doesn't sound fun, so of course I wouldn't pay for it. But I, yeah, I no, don't no see one, myself paying for it either way. No one would pay money to get smacked by a hammer. <laughs> I mean, if unless anything, they I, were into that sort of thing. If anything, I'd pay money to go to programming school to learn how to just make <laughs> that, and then I'd I'd be and to then learn I'd how sell to make that. cheats so you could sell them. Yeah, but okay, like I've always kind of felt the same, but my opinion has kind of shifted over the past year, partly mm-hmm. uh, because of. Um, well, my opinion on cheating in games has not changed because of VAC bans, but my opinion on anti-cheating systems have soured horribly. Right. Partly because of um, having to deal with the repercussions of a really... Flawed system. Overbearing kind of draconian ban from VAC <laughs> from six years ago. And also because of a Dark Souls video I made. Yeah. And I don't know if... um. You guys are very familiar with the way machinima works, but in order to create machinima, in order to create cinema with games, yeah. you have to break a few things. Right. Like you have to, usually it, it's yeah. no more than turning off the HUD and loading up alternative character models, which can oftentimes be interpreted as cheating. So when I was doing my Dark Souls 2 review, I actually set up an alternate installation of the game because Dark Souls 2 is a multi or not Dark Souls 2, Dark Souls 1 yeah. is a um like pseudo multiplayer game. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's built for multiplayer features, but you can turn on an offline mode, which I did, and then proceeded to install cheating programs that were like the shadiest <laughs> the shadiest stuff that you've ever heard of. Like, I clicked a few buttons and all of a sudden my character's stats all jumped up to 99 just so I could rush through the game to get the specific shots I wanted of the specific locations I wanted so that I could pull the camera up to dramatic angles and make (laughs) a really cool video that Dark Souls fans really loved. Right. But I had to cheat to do that. And that's that's kind of the gray area that, that I feel like a lot of users are steadily discovering. I really like how Titanfall has been doing it, and I think that that is a good example of an anti-cheating system that is fair to everyone. Yeah. I think we talked about that a little bit last week, how they, uh, like, it's not really a gray area with Titanfall since that is, like, you're cheating in a multiplayer game to, like, gain headway. Yeah, the whole game is a multiplayer game. Right, but uh, if you missed last week's, uh, when we talked about it, they 
essentially what respawn does is when uh if you cheat in titanfall they send all the cheaters to like their own like sect of the server it's like you go to cheating hell <laughs> i mean i think we made the, i think we made this joke last week too you go to like titanfall's australia yeah is like all the criminal titanfall players go onto an island and they play titanfall together and all the non-criminals can play the regular game and that way yeah that way it's like you know if you're gonna cheat you can cheat and if you're not gonna cheat you're you're not gonna have to deal with cheaters and everybody gets to use the stuff that they paid for yeah but like even then with this with this like dark souls thing I'm, I'm just imagining like someone in in uh, Georgia's situation who installed a lighting effect on a game six years ago, but then they get put in this Dark Souls 2 Australia with all these people, you know, running max stats characters, and they're just trying to like, just like I'm just well, trying to play Dark Souls 2, the, the and they just get wrecked. Like kicker <laughs> is that it was for six years old games that I don't play anymore. Like there was a guy in the comment section saying, "Man, you should stick to your values and and sell all." Not sell all. You should stick to your values and not buy any more Steam games and make a make a totally new account and really stick it to the man. And I was like, I, I don't have any values because I don't value CS 1.6 and natural selection. <laughs> I'm not going to make it a value issue because I never got into those games. I don't care about them. I do care about Dark Souls 2. I would like to play it right. on my regular account. But, um... Yeah, no, it's it's not like a moral stand against anything. It's just like a this is a flawed system that needs to be fixed. Like I don't feel like I installed a blue mod for amoral reasons. And right. I don't feel like Valve banned me for it for amoral reasons. Like it ultimately is because it's the same kind of file system that cheaters use to cheat. Yeah. But I just I just feel like having it still be relevant six years later for a completely different game by a completely different company. Yeah, just is, crazy. Is absolutely goddamn ridiculous. Bonkers is what it is. Bonkers yeah, is the bonkers. Word. Yeah, that's nuts. That's not so but so. It's bonkers, I believe, is actually the word. <laughs> I'm sorry for shutting everybody down with bonkers, but I mean, I'm just very passionate about that I word. I can't, when you Anyways. say bonkers, I can't think of anything besides the cartoon cat. I think of uh, Dizzy Rascal, which is actually <laughs> weird because I hate Dizzy Rascal. Anyways... <laughs> I uh, don't know if if you guys have any more any more opinions or angles you want to share about that issue. Uh, not specifically on that, just because I think we talked about cheating a little bit last week, and I kind of got out yeah. my opinions on cheating last week. But also, I mean, this is a kind of a different issue. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think you guys said you haven't played uh, Dark Souls two. <sighs> I want. to. I haven't tried it yet. I really want to. I like it. I kind of like it. I. It's just like. I felt so gypped with Dark Souls 1 because of the whole all the PC issues and that's before I knew that Dark Souls fix existed and before I knew that I could that I could just like not use my Xbox Live account and yeah. use just like a dummy and, account. And they fixed a lot of that in the sequel. It's, right. Uh, and so like I would love that second chance because the game looks great and I have a lot of friends who are always like you got to play Dark Souls. It's really great. It's like my favorite game and so like I want to play it but I just don't have the I I'm, I have I will not take the initiative to do it is just my problem. I just <laughs> I won't sit down and be like I'm going to play this. I always like get there and then I'm like I could just open up FTL and play that for like 
10 minutes it's, or it's funny how my own personal relationship with cheating and dark souls has kind of come full circle because when i first loaded up dark souls on the pc and and had to deal with all the awful games for windows live and ds fix loops you got to jump through yeah yeah i actually got invaded by someone cheating using <laughs> a uh a cursed weapon. When you are cursed in Dark Souls, it's a status effect that isn't really supposed to be relevant until the mid-game. Yeah. But in the early game, someone invaded me and hit me with a cursed weapon that players are not supposed to have. It cuts your health down in half. Permanently? Uh, until you find a healer or a uh, uncommon drop item that you're not supposed to encounter until way later in the game. Great. And... <laughs> How how ironic is that that uh, I can't play Dark Souls two because of a a weird mod in a game that I don't really value that much from six years ago, and my introduction to Dark Souls <laughs> itself was soured by other players cheating online against me. Well, I think I think I'm just going to restate that it's just it just is your fault for wanting that blue mod. I, I think I you're guess. just I think you're just completely 100% in the wrong. <laughs> I I I I I don't know, like saying it like that kind of brings up a whole bunch of interesting quandaries about personal responsibility and free will that I'm sure are beyond the scope of this podcast. I don't know if I want to go on I go hope, down that road. I hope you know. I hope you know that I'm actually joking and that you're not in the oh wrong. Oh god. Enough. Okay. No. No, I'm I'm totally I'm totally cool with that. But anyways, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> oh, my word. You guys like Nintendo games, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did, did, a new trailer for Mario Kart 8 came out. Neat. All right. <laughs> and uh, are you are you not the most hyped for the, the sickest character ever? Oh, Baby yeah. Rosalina has been unveiled, confirmed for Mario Kart 8. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Balanced for competitive play. Baby Rosalina... Can't wait to crawls into frame. <laughs> this, this is, this is it. This is when. This is the thing that somebody's gonna throw in my face in ten years when I apply for my job <laughs> at Nintendo PR. They're gonna, baby they're gonna show you a picture that's like a, a smash splash of baby Rosalina crawls yeah. into frame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Okay, Baby <laughs> Rosalina is a character in Mario Kart 8. They also right. revealed a um a solid gold, I think, or was it, it a different it, it's color? It's like pink gold, like peach. metal, like I like pinkish yeah. gold, metal peach. Let's just call her metal peach. Metal peach. Yeah. <laughs> Which um kind of seems to come out of left field, but these ba- I did not know that turning Mario princesses into babies was a thing until now. Yeah, right. I They're mean all that's, babies. Yeah, it's been I, it's been I, like I that since up, Baby Mario and Luigi. It's like the Muppets. Yeah, they're like Baby Mario has has been around since the SNES games. I don't know when Baby Luigi came into the mix, but now I guess <laughs> everyone's. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's so weird because it's a racing game, and it's like, funny. It's funny that you say you don't know when Baby Luigi came into the mix. He came into the mix in the exact same game that Baby Mario did as. Like literally, as the plot point, like in Yoshi's Island, you are Baby Mario and Yoshi trying to save Baby Luigi, but nobody knows that because he's such a minor part of like any of that game that you don't wow. even realize unless you beat the game that that's what you're doing. So, so yeah, and I don't know, I, I I'm ashamed to admit it, but I never got all the way through Yoshi's um Yoshi's Island, Island? on the snow. Oh. oh, 
It was, uh, it was super duper fun, don't get me wrong, I was having the time of my life, but eventually some other games managed to distract me right before that end point, which is apparently where I would know that Baby Luigi is a thing. But now that, that said, not, still not the greatest idea ever. Still not the logical progression of Mario is seeing Baby Mario. Yeah. Nobody ever, but until, until Baby Mario existed, nobody was like, I really like Mario, but like, I wonder if he was exactly the same but cuter when he was a baby. <laughs> this is such a it's such he a was... deviant art creative decision where like you just yeah, take all your God, favorite IPs and put them in diapers. Oh, oh my God! Oh, no, don't! Oh, we're going there yeah, Mar- to that gutter Mario, of the internet. No, Mario Kart Nine featuring Nintendo has gone there. <laughs> Mario Kart Nine featuring a fully inflated cast. Yeah. Oh God! That like like they're they've already they incorporate Eating Sonic into a lot of games now. Like how. Yeah. How close are we to seeing like a bad original character Sonic fan fiction version of Mario in a game? Or baby baby Sonic? Oh God! Hot okay, Mario! Like, hot Mario! Hot Mario! You get baby like Rosal- a mirror and he turns into Hot Mario. <laughs> That's weird. That's baby really Rosalina weird. Baby freaks me out for a lot of reasons. <laughs> and um, I guess I guess for starters, the most obvious one is that you're playing Mario Kart with Baby Rosalina. Yeah. And and it's just going to bring up all sorts of horrible, terrifying kind of... Ethics questions about teaching babies how to drive cars? <laughs> or smacking babies with cars? Yeah. Like, how weird or is it going to be to... Yeah, like, you're, you're, you're fly, firing off this blue shell at baby Rosalina, whose cart is going to, like, flip over three times in the middle of the road and, <laughs> and send her flying across the cold, uncaring pavement, scraping the baby flesh. No, I don't want to think about hey, it. Hey, man. It's freaking weird. Hey, man. Rated E for everyone. Well, that said... That's so weird. That said, like, that Mario Kart Direct, was it yesterday? Uh, it, was, it was, like, a day or two ago. Had some really cool stuff in it, too. That had like neat stuff as well. Yeah. Did they, did, did they mention like, how the Wii U controller will be utilized? Sorry, not trying to derail. Just, no, I, go for it. I, I, I don't know. I, I did not watch the direct. I just watched a little bullet points okay. thing. Okay. But it, they talked about like uh, there's going to be like tournaments, mm-hmm. like online tournaments that you oh, can that's right, that's that right. you can customize and you can set to oh, be like shit. you can set them to be like a regular reoccurring event and you can make them available to either friends <laughs> or so or the public. Does that mean that baby Rosalina is, in fact, balanced for competitive play? She is. She is <laughs> indeed likely, balanced yes. for competitive play. And speaking of balanced for competitive play, the other thing that they announced was this horn that you can pick up. It's a new. It's like a new item. And uh, that blue shell that was going to cause baby Rosalina so much effort and, and hurt and pain. Effort. I don't effort. know why I said effort. So much effort. So it's going to just, you know, that blue shell is now balanced by this horn which, if you are in first place and you have the horn, you can know the blue shell's coming, blow the horn, and it will blow the blue shell away or any other item. So there you go, balanced for competitive play. <laughs> huh. For glory mode. Yeah, well, for- that's, that's interesting, too, because then I guess um, you can kind of prepare for it and grab the horn early on in the game, and we'll, that will also sacrifice what other pickups you might get instead right. of the horn. Sacrificing offensive power for a like that. for securing yourself a lead yeah. for defense. Nintendo's yeah. Nintendo's really realizing that the like competitive games are less <laughs> about being like, like the best around. Uh, like, well, just they're less about now. They're be- less about being like a fun thing that you can like yell at your friends about. 
necessarily. <laughs> right, right. Like, like they, they're, they're starting to realize that people are taking their games seriously. Yeah. And they while started the game to realize started. that the blue shell was bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, while, 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 like, you know, Smash Bros. and Mario Kart are still going to be perfect for, like, playing drinking games and smacking your friends in the face, like, while you play... Like they're still gonna be, a, you know, they, they're still, you know, gonna be giving attention to these people who want to like make it their life, like a little bit more serious. Yeah, a little super serious. So that's so that's so, kind of exciting. Uh, I I really dig the visual design of the new Rainbow Road they showed. Oh yeah, it looks really it's cool. Like orbiting in space, and you see like Mario Earth underneath it. Yeah, I I, I kind of want to rewatch that and like see if the continents match up, like. Oh yeah! How different does Mario, the planet in Mario uh, Party Eight, look from from Planet Earth itself? Oh boy, that's that's a whole another Mario lore rabbit hole. Yeah, what if Mario has the deepest lore? <laughs> <laughs> what if Baby Rosalina is actually like a time oh, no. traveler from the past to help confront her for dangers in the future? That's that is like the thesis of my channel, but with Pokemon. <laughs> that my channel is all about my my channel is all about believing that there is some higher truth to that game. You should make a um really dramatic, quiet video where you crack no jokes at all, where you put together <laughs> some very subtle, vague clues hidden in the game about how baby Rosalina is the son of Mario and the they son. just don't know it. Yes, yeah, no, son. I'm not. I, I, that wasn't a mistake either. No, I was totally, <laughs> this is, totally legit. This is this is becoming, this is becoming a new kind of podcast now. This <laughs> this podcast is now the uh, the like super esoteric. Oh gosh, like gaming lore podcast. The super esoteric gaming lore podcast is brought to you by TOVG, that one video gamer.com. Yeah. But um I think I think we're starting to run up our time here. And uh I just wanted to say how much I appreciated everyone. It was it was really fun talking about some incredibly weird things that Nintendo is getting up to nowadays. Yep. Yeah, man. And I don't know, like it's not like Am I a bad person for thinking baby Rosalina's a weird character? No, she's no, weird. it's vi- it's super weird. There is not yeah. enough lore about her for me to care about what she's like at any other stage of life. And she is a very, she's a very like not like kitty looking character. No, she's, she's she, and that that makes it really weird. When she first showed yeah. up, I was like, is Mario gonna ditch Peach for her because she's a viable option? She's like a but hot now, princess. Yeah, she's like vixen. It's like it, she's vixeny, but now we have to like deal with with. The image of her being a baby who doesn't know what's going on and wears diapers and is all stupid and stuff. Well, I've right. also been trying to deal with for years the fact that, like, in her world, like, Waluigi is also a reality. So, so, so there's <laughs> oh, there's boy. plenty of stuff to feel weird about in Nintendo if you think about it too long. I don't want to so, think about it for too long. Anyways, I, um, just, uh, really, really do, really do think we, um, should be wrapping it up because we're going on, like... <laughs> Over over an hour and almost yeah. fifteen minutes now. Yeah, I think it's about time. But yeah. anyways, that was the TOVG podcast, which uh, you can find every week on Friday. We're gonna try to have one of these up on the TOVG homepage under the features tab. And in the meantime, if you have anything you want to say about the topics we discussed, if you want to trade Baby Rosalina fan art, feel free to hop into <laughs> oh the forums word. and have a chat with us. And the thread and we'll tell you how weird it is. I can't wait for the thread. <laughs> we hope to see you there. I and we hope won't to be see there you next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, have a good week, everybody. Bye. 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 Later, man.
Messie. 